Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. We're going to start off here this morning in Daniel chapter number 9. And uh, if you're just joining with us, we have been taking some time going through Matthew chapter 24 about being prepared for end times and uh, what the Lord tells us about what the end times will be like. It's a thing that I believe all of us question about and ask about and think about what end times will be like. And uh, I know that I was asking a lot of these questions and uh, I felt that the Lord wanted me to go through this and uh, teach us this here out of Matthew 24. But we're going to start here in Daniel chapter number nine here this morning, and as we've been covering our Lord's sermon about his second coming and the end of the age, the sermon that he gives is, is called the Olivet Discourse, and uh, it's called the Olivet Discourse because it's a discourse about end times and uh, the second coming, and it, this sermon is what Jesus taught his disciples as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. And uh, the sermon comes about because of, of two questions primarily that they ask. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And uh, our Lord gave the disciples the six indicators or birth pains as we've, as we've covered in the past few weeks um, that we know that we're getting close in uh, verses four through 14. And uh, then as we looked about last week in verse 15, Matthew 24, about this abomination of desolation that's gonna be set up. And um, Jesus tells us that this is the sign of his coming. When you see that, know that his coming is very, very near. And uh, what follows next in the passage there in Matthew 24 is what we call the tribulation or tribulational times. Now, it's not entirely clear as to when God takes out the believers or the church, uh, if that is before the tribulation, what we would call pre-tribulational, or during the tribulational is what we call mid-tribulational, or after the tribulational is what we call post-tribulational. Um, but what's important for us to know is, I believe, two things. One, the believers in Christ need to be prepared for his coming. And second, whatever time that the believers are taken out of this world, whether this happens in our generation or in the future generations, um, we should be thankful that we do have a resurrected Christ who will be returning to make an end of sin and to restore his kingdom. And we can, uh, we can definitely trust that that's exactly what's gonna happen. And we know that's gonna happen because uh, Jesus gave several uh, prophecies of, of things that uh, were gonna happen and they did happen. And that's one of the signs that you know that somebody is a true prophet is if they give a prophecy and it comes to pass, then you can trust what they're saying is true. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Be thankful, Christ is returning. And uh, you know, certainly all the things that we see in our world today, um, just the, the mass chaos and the, the, the sin that's running rampant, um, we're probably looking and going, boy, when is Christ going to return? But uh, that question has been 
been asked long before. I mean, even the disciples asked that. And they said, Lord, is it now? Is now are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you now going to uh, do what you said that you would do? And uh, he told them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. But what you should do, continue in prayer, right? Go to Jerusalem, pray. And uh, so this is what I want you to understand here this morning. Be thankful, Christ is returning. So we're here in Daniel chapter number nine. And uh, last week, before we closed, I shared with you a little bit about Daniel's 70 weeks. And I wanted to break that down for you a little bit more and introduce to you this 70th week that has yet to happen. And this is a period of seven years known as the tribulation. And we're gonna cover that here in Matthew 24. But I just wanted to break this down here just to kind of introduce it to you. Uh, so that way we get a good understanding of the tribulational time of this seven year period. So here in Daniel chapter number nine, we're introduced to 70 weeks. And uh, these weeks here are mentioned here in uh, Daniel chapter nine, verse number 24. He says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city. And so it's understood uh, that these weeks are really weeks of years. And that time that Daniel gives is a period of about 490 years that he's gonna cover here. So here's the breakdown of what is supposed to happen. This prophecy that Daniel talks about here begins by stating that six things will be accomplished regarding the Jewish people during a period of 490 years, 70 weeks or 70 weeks of years. Look what he says here in verse 24. So you can mark these here, these uh, things that are gonna happen. He says here, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city, here's the first one, to finish the transgression. Here's the second one, to put an end to sin. Here's the third, to atone for iniquity. Here's the fourth, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Here's the fifth, seal up vision and prophecy. And then the sixth, anoint the most holy place. So Daniel says all these spiritual goals will be accomplished within a special period of about 490 years. And the prophecy says that the starting point of this 70 weeks or this 70 weeks of years will be by an issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Look at Daniel chapter nine, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem, to the coming of an anointed one. So this decree is going to be going out. Now, if you remember, uh, Jerusalem was taken into captivity in 586 BC, right? The um, Babylon comes in, they destroy the city of Jerusalem, they ransack the temple, destroy the temple. Israel is carried off for 70 years into Babylon. And uh, then finally they get allowed to go back to their homeland and rebuild Jerusalem. And so that is the decree. And he says, this is going to start the marking of that 70 weeks uh, or the 70 weeks of years. And uh, we do see that happen because in the 440s, Artaxerxes, the Persian king allowed the Jews to return back to Jerusalem, rebuild the walls of their city. 
and uh, the temple. And you can read all about it in Ezra chapter seven, verses 11 through 26, and Ezra nine, uh, verse number nine. So Daniel's prophecy begins with the rebuilding of the temple. Now notice the breakdown here, what he says. Verse 25, seven weeks are 49 years to restore and build Jerusalem. Then we have here, verse 25, 62 weeks or 434 years, the temple is being used, then the anointed one is cut off. So after they have rebuilt their temple, Jerusalem, the Israelites, they're reusing their temple for temple worship. This is the, the temple that they have, the second temple, and so they're using it. Messiah then comes on the scene, Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and then he's cut off. What's a good understanding of him being cut off? He dies, right? So Daniel gives us these details here of the period of how long it's gonna be, and then Messiah is cut off. Then we have here this last one, verse 27. We have one week or seven years, a coming prince that brings the abomination of desolation. And so this last loose week or this last period of the seven years, the prophecy concludes by focusing on the last week here. And it says that, the, that following the death of the Messiah and the destruction of Jerusalem, this prince who is to come will make a covenant with Jerusalem. And what is he gonna do? He makes this covenant, he makes a pact with them to protect them. And then what ends up happening is we find in 2 Thessalonians chapter two that this prince is the antichrist. He's the man of lawlessness. He's the son of destruction. And uh, he allows them to rebuild the temple. There's a third temple. There's not a temple in Jerusalem right now, but there will be. And there will be a rebuilding of a third temple. And when that temple is rebuilt, the sacrificial systems will begin again. And this antichrist is going to come and he's gonna set himself up and he's going to cause the abomination of desolation. And as what we talked about uh, last week, uh, I believe what he's going to do is he's going to set himself up as God and ask people to worship him, demand, command people to worship him. And all those that do not worship him, uh, the Bible's very clear of those what would happen to them. So here in Daniel's prophecy, we're told about the timing of Christ's first coming and his second coming. And uh, we, we see all of this that is going to happen. So really, we're going to be focusing today here is on this period of this seven years, what Jesus is going to tell us here in Matthew chapter 24. And this is the time period right before Christ returns. So let's focus our attention now to these verses of Matthew 24. So let's go ahead and turn over there. Matthew 24, so now we know where we are. Jesus is gonna tell us about this tribulational time, this seven-year period of what is going to happen. So let's look at here at this first thing. During this tribulational time, we're gonna have times of crisis that will come, but remember, so will Christ. Matthew 24 and uh, one of the things that we're gonna see in these verses here is this, this extreme crisis that's gonna happen. Uh, the Antichrist sets himself up as God. He is asking for people to worship him. 
And uh, what our Lord says is he says, when you see this, look what he says, verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So those people that are living in Jerusalem during this time in Judea, he says, if, when you see it, if you see the abomination of desolation take place, flee, run, get out of there. Uh, in fact, uh, look at verse 17. He gets very descriptive of this. He says, let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. In those days, the housetop was where really the patio was. And so you would go out, kind of like you'd go out on your patio or on your deck. And uh, he says, and you see it, don't even go out onto your housetop. Um, so... He knew that there would be people that might be caught up in there. So actually by staying out, lingering on the housetop, I find it funny. You know how when we have like uh, some interesting weather around here in Indiana, you know what everybody's doing? They're standing out on their porch with their video camera. Wow, look at that. Tornado's coming right through here, right? There's impending doom and judgment. Jesus says is coming. He says, don't even go out on your housetop because you don't want to get caught in this, uh, this, uh, this problems and these, uh, this destruction that's gonna happen. So he says, get out. Don't even go into your house. Don't even get your belongings. Don't take anything out. Jump off the roof. Run as fast as you can. Run, flee, go to the hills, run. Get out of there. And so the Lord expects and urges retreat for safety here. You know, the Lord doesn't have them stay there and face the bullets. What does he do? He just says, get out of there. He doesn't want people to be having some kind of martyr syndrome. You know, I'm gonna take it. No, get out of there, flee, run. Uh, look at verse number 18. He says this, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. The cloak here refers to the outer clothing. And if, if you were out working in the field somewhere, you might take off your jacket or you might take off your shirt and you're out there working. He says, when you see this or you hear of the news of this, don't even go back to where you left your jacket. Just leave, get out of there. This is how serious uh, this time is gonna be. And so don't take anything, just get out of there, okay? Look at verse number 19. Look what he says, and alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Uh, other translations read, woe to those who are pregnant and woe to those who are nursing children in those days. Literally, the woman having something in the stomach, those who are pregnant to those, literally it says the ones nursing, woe to the pregnant woman in those days, woe to the, to the nursing woman in those days. Why? Well, I believe uh, it's really hard to run when you're pregnant. And can you imagine if you had a little one that's nursing and you're trying to carry that little one with you? Coming, coming destruction is coming. And Jesus says, get out of there, run, flee. And it's gonna be very hard for those during that time that are pregnant or having a little nursing baby with them. So it's gonna be hard, hard times of great difficulty. Look at then verse number 20. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. And I believe this is just really to stress the urgency here. Pray that the, the fleeing time isn't in the winter. It might be cold, it might be raining, it might be snowing. 
It does snow in Israel. So he says, pray that it doesn't happen during this time. Pray that you're not gonna be in a time where you cannot travel swiftly, nor on the Sabbath day. Pray that it isn't on the Sabbath. Our Lord is saying, just hope it isn't in a time when you're hindered from your journey. So get out of town. Just hope you're not physically in a situation where you have an infant or you're pregnant. Just hope that you can run as fast as you can and flee to the hills when you see this. Why? Well, look at verse number 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. Great, great trouble is coming. Pressure, such as was, was not from the beginning, Jesus says. The worst time the world's ever known. Can you imagine all of the catastrophes that has ever happened in our world, all piled up and happening at the same time? That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, there's gonna be great tribulation time. Just get out. The Lord says, go. And many are going to die from all of that's described in verses uh, four through 14, because when that abomination of desolation takes place, comes the wars, the rumors of wars, comes worldwide breakdown, the famines, the earthquakes, the pestilences, um, the betrayals, the persecutions, hatred, the whole thing just begins to break and fall apart. So he says, get out of town. Don't hang around there. Um, so it's real important to understand what Jesus says. Now look, look how severe it is. Look at verse 21. He says, for then there will be a great tribulation such has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. So it's gonna be unlike anything you've ever dreamed of in the future. Look at verse 22, and I love this. This is most fascinating. Look what he says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. The days are gonna be cut short. I believe that all of the, uh, the time with the days and nights and the, the, the way that the moon and the stars and everything is gonna be working, it's gonna be all thrown out of whack. And I believe there's gonna be darkness and the days are gonna be cut short. And I believe the only, I guess, real help for the people that are living during this time, during the tribulational time, is they're gonna be able to hide in the darkness because the days are gonna be cut short for them. Look what he says here. He does this, and I love this, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, it's, it's important to understand this, that yes, I'm sure the church is gonna be taken out. The time period, I don't know when that's exactly gonna happen, but there are going to be Jews who believe in Christ, and there's gonna be Gentiles who believe in Christ during this tribulational time, and they are the elect. Here, God is saying that he is going to preserve his chosen people, not just the Jews, but I also believe it's the Gentiles who are living during the time. I love that, what he says that. 
You know, this is the first time that we find the word elect used in the New Testament. Jesus uses it. And the word elect simply means to be chosen. God has chosen. And so we're introduced to this concept about those who belong to God. We belong to him because he chose us. And so he chose us, he chose Israel, he chose us. So he says, I'm going to take care of my elect. Now think about that just for a moment. Here is the God of the universe who controls everything and his elect, he's going to take care of them during this time. He's actually going to be able to rearrange the order of the world so much that he can take care of his own. Is that a comforting thought? That he would care so much to actually preserve them and to help them? And he says this, look what he says. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. So if God would not do that, there would be nobody that would survive this, this time that is gonna be known as the tribulation. And so he who keeps that person for himself, he will fulfill his promise. And the Lord literally recognizes those people that have trusted in him, have believed in Christ, and he takes care of them during this time. So he says, look, if you're alive and you see this abomination of desolation, run, get out of there. Don't hang around. Don't be posting it on Facebook, okay? Tribulational times are here. Made it safe, okay? He says, get out of town. So it's gonna be a time of crisis, but this is all necessary. Why? Because Christ is coming back. And it's something to be thankful for. Look at the second thing here. Confusing times will come, but remember, so will Christ. Secondly, and watch this. This is very easy to see as we move through this, this uh, portion of scripture here. Confusing times are gonna happen. Now, here's what happens. All these people are running, they're fleeing, they're, they're getting out of there because the abomination of desolation has been set up. They know that they are in tribulational times. And what are they doing? They're running. They're escaping. Okay? They're all hiding out. They're hiding somewhere. And they're being cared for by the Lord. Save Jews and redeem people and they're hiding. And you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for Jesus to come back. They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. When is he going to come? When is he going to come? When is it gonna happen? They're waiting. And you know, they can read Matthew and I think that they're gonna be reading Matthew in those days. I think they're gonna know what Matthew says in those days. And they're gonna say, that's it. We saw it. We saw the abomination of desolation. We've ran to the hills. We've left this place. We know Christ is coming at any moment. Any moment he's gonna come. And they're very vulnerable in this time because look at what the text says here. People in great, great desperation and extremely vulnerable during this time. And some false prophet is gonna come and look what he's gonna say. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe it. Some people are gonna say, he's here. No, he's over here. No, he's over here. He says, don't believe it. He's down by the sea. We've got him hidden in a secret chamber somewhere. 
Come on, come on, come on, come, come with us. We, we have him, we have him. They're very vulnerable. Look at verse 23. He says, watch out for this confusion. Do not believe it. It's a deception. They're trying to trick you. They're trying to trap you. They're trying to catch you. They want to capture you and kill you. They wanna slaughter you. Satan wants to wipe out the Jews. He wants to wipe out the redeemed and he's going to use every means possible to do that. And he's gonna say, oh, Christ has arrived. Here he is. He's right over here. Oh, he's over here. He's over here. You're missing out. Don't believe it. Why? Because there will come false Christ during that time. Those who claim to be the Messiah, those false prophets, those who point to the one who claims to be the Messiah, he says, don't believe them. He's over here. Come see him. And in fact, we, we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter number two that these people, these false prophets, these false messiahs will even be able to perform great miracles and signs and wonders. He says, don't be deceived by it. And so look at verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, I <laughs> like this, even the elect. <clears throat> if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect, but it's not possible. Why? because these people know Christ, you know Christ. That's what troubles me sometimes is people that claim to believe in Christ, but then yet they quit following Christ. They deny Christ. You don't know Christ. And so these people here says, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. You can't deceive the very elect. They know who Christ is. The truly elect who truly know Christ could never be deceived about who he was. So when somebody says, I am Christ, when somebody says, here is Christ, there is Christ, the Mormon Jesus, the Jehovah's Witnesses Jesus, he says, this Christ, that Christ, you will never deceive one who really knows who Christ is. John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And if somebody defects to another Christ, they never knew the true Christ because you know the true Christ. If you know the true Christ, you can't be fooled. So the elect are protected. They cannot be deceived because they have in them the true knowledge of who Christ is. And so everything is going on. The, the, the stars are falling from heaven. There's, there's total chaos, destruction going on. People are in hiding. False Christ are coming saying, look, he's over here, he's over here, he's over here. He says, don't be deceived. So if you hear it, don't believe it. Why? Because look at verse 25. See, I have told you beforehand. Did he tell us beforehand? He sure did. Verse number five, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. Verse number 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. He also told them long before he told them here in Matthew 24, in Matthew chapter seven, he told them of false Christ, false messiahs. Matthew 15, Matthew 16, Matthew chapter 23. So he's been telling them all along, don't be deceived. Watch out for these deceivers. Don't be fooled, he says. 
Don't look for some secret Messiah. Watch this in verse 26. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms or in a secret chamber somewhere, don't believe it. We got him hidden somewhere. Hey, Christ just came. He just showed up and we got him over here. Just come on over. He says, don't believe it. So how do we know when he gets here? How will we know when Christ gets here? Look at verse 27. This is, this is astounding. I love this, okay? Verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is great. It's gonna be like lightning going right across the sky from the east to the west is Jesus when he comes. And his coming is gonna be sudden. It's gonna be public. It's gonna be visible. It's gonna be universal. It's gonna be glorious. And the whole world is gonna see it. Listen to Revelation 1.7 is what it says about Jesus and him coming. It says, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that something to be thankful for? Jesus is returning and every eye will see him. If you read Revelation 19, it gives this descriptive picture of Christ coming. Jesus comes blasting out of heaven. He's riding a white horse. He's followed by all the white-robed saints and angels of heaven. And he's coming to earth with a sword in his hands and blood-spattered garment to bring judgment to the world and to destroy all the armies who set against him in battle. I mean, this is something that everybody is gonna see. And everybody's gonna see it and it's gonna cause great fear in a lot of people, but it's gonna cause great joy in those that are the elect, those that know Christ. So confusing times will come, but rest assured, Christ is coming swiftly and triumphantly. Here's the third thing. Times of corruption will come, but remember, so will Christ. Look at verse 28. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So he says, when you see the sign run fast because of times of this crisis, this, uh, this time of confusion, and this, this last one here about this corruption, he says, get out because of what's gonna happen. The world is gonna get so corrupt, so wretched, and so rotten. Now this saying of Jesus here is sort of a little proverb that he gives, okay? He says, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. How many of you, when you're driving on the road, you see some poor little animal named Fluffy. They got ran over. Nine lives are gone. And there is this big, yummy vulture having lunch. Right? So wherever the corpse is, the vultures are going to gather. So what we have here is Jesus is giving us a very descriptive picture of this. He says, where you find a car carcass, you'll have a vulture going in and tearing into that carcass. And that's exactly what the picture is. Christ is going to come as it were a vulture 
to a dead carcass. The world is going to be so corrupt, so sinfully corrupt, that it lies there as a wretched, sinful, corrupt, decaying carcass to which the Lord will come in judgment, and he is going to tear and rip and shred that carcass to pieces. It's a very vivid picture here. Now, what it's saying is implied that the world is going to become dead and corrupt. The world is going to decay and decay and decay. It's gonna be more wretched than ever. In fact, Jesus even told us before this, he said that lawlessness will increase. The love of many will grow cold. Sin is gonna run rampant. Sin is going to reach rampant conditions and it becomes so wretched and so corrupt that it is like the filthy, corrupt, decaying carcass of an animal. And as a vulture descends and swoops in and starts tearing that, that carcass to pieces, that's exactly what God is going to do. He's gonna come and he's gonna destroy what is left of the sinful corruption. God swoops down as it were in final judgment. And he writes this, uh, Paul writes about this in 2 Thessalonians 1.8. He says, God is going to come in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the sign of your coming, Lord? Here are the birth pains. What triggers them? This abomination of desolation. What should they do when they see it? Run for the hills, don't hang out there. And he says, when you see this, when you see this time of crisis, this confusion, this corruption, he says, Christ is going to return without a doubt. It's gonna happen. And when he does, it'll be too late for those who refuse to hear his voice and obey the gospel. And here today, if you do not know Christ, you stand in rebellion against God. You are dead in your trespasses and sins and you need life. You need to hear Christ Christ went to the cross for you. He died for you. He resurrected from the grave. And all those who trust in him and him only can have salvation. And so if you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. Repent of your sins. Believe in Christ. Trust Christ. Turn from your sin and believe the gospel. And so Christ is going to return and that's where it's gonna pick us up here in verse 29 and we'll, we'll pick up that next week. And it's, it's really gonna be awesome to talk about this when Christ says, here I am. <laughs> it's gonna be great. So are you ready? Are you prepared? I hope so. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. 